Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gomison with the Speaking for Him podcast. So glad that you have joined me today. Um, if this is your first time uh, listening, I hope that you are encouraged by what you hear. We have an extensive archive of previous episodes, so feel free to take an opportunity on whatever podcasting app you're listening on to go back and look at the archive. But today, uh, we are talking about a new movie about C.S. Lewis called The Most Reluctant Convert. And I was excited when I saw that this movie was coming out uh, because there have been movies about uh, C.S. Lewis's work, most notably the Chronicles of Narnia series. The BBC made them, and then American filmmakers with Walden Media made them just a few years back. And so it's a very well-known property, um, but there isn't a lot out there about the man, C.S. Lewis. Now, there was a couple versions of the movie Shadowlands, which is basically the story of C.S. Lewis and his relationship with his eventual wife, Joy Davidman. Um, and so those movies are out there. But this movie particularly dealt with his journey to faith. And it's actually based on a one-man show by Max McLean. And Max McLean plays the title character in this film. And I'm really excited to dig into the review with you and tell you all about it. But first I want to tell you a little bit about what is going on. For anyone that knows me personally, they know that I like classic TV. As a matter of fact, my brother has said on multiple occasions, if you ever did a second podcast, it would probably be about classic TV because you like the old shows like Andy Griffith or Little House on the Prairie or The Waltons. And a few weeks ago, I heard that The Waltons were getting rebooted. And there's always a little bit of angst when a classic uh film or TV show gets a reboot and always a discussion about whether it's necessary. And I really, really like the original show. So I have been very nervous about a reboot, but I recently ran across a video where Judy Norton, the original Mary Ellen from the first show gives her thoughts about the new movie. Hello, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Today I'm actually wanted to talk a little bit about the Homecoming reboot. I've been asked a lot of questions about it and I had the opportunity to attend a screening a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Richard Thomas was there, of course, he narrates this new version of the Homecoming. And Eric Scott and Cami Kotler were also there. Uh, it was very surreal for all of us to sit and watch 50 years later this reboot of The Homecoming um, and to get to meet this new cast who are all at the beginning of a journey and so excited to be part of bringing back to life this iconic family. All of this, of course, was the creation of Earl Hamner Jr. He spoke about his family originally in the book Spencer's Mountain, which became a movie. And then he wrote The Homecoming, and we did that TV movie, which of course became the nine seasons of The Waltons. One can say that any kind of copying is a sign that 
You are popular enough that people want to imitate you. In this case, it isn't so much that they're imitating us. Uh, they are creating the homecoming in a new light, in a new time, at a new point in, in history, uh, where I think the story and the need for family, family programming, that message of love and support is as important as it ever was. So I applaud what they are looking to do with this. It was done with great love and care and attention. Sam Haskell, the producer, grew up watching the Waltons. He's very close to our age, and it was a big part of his life. So we are honored that he loved the show enough that this was something he wanted to bring back to a new audience. The new cast is lovely. They're adorable, and they have a difficult task because the show is so iconic. But it's not, it's not an imitation. It's not a carbon copy. There are things that you will find are different and things that you will recognize as the same. Perhaps things you'll like better and things that won't touch you as much as the original. But I often hear from you how much you want more shows like the Waltons. So perhaps you can think of this as not the Waltons so much as like the Waltons, another family show that deserves to be embraced in its own right. Don't think of it as a copy, but you know, just another possibility as if it's cousins or siblings or, you know, another branch of the Walton family having a similar story. There are some things that are the same that you will recognize completely in other aspects of the story that have been changed in some way, some of which I thought were really lovely choices and lovely additions. So I hope that you will give it a chance. It was done with love and care, and I think it is worth a watch. Make up your own mind. Don't decide in advance that you are going to dislike it or dismiss it. Uh, I know that it will likely, if it goes forward, it will likely need to find its own new audience, but all of you can certainly help bring that into being by getting behind it and giving it a chance. Our show took a while to grow and find its audience. It's even harder for shows these days because they are given so little time and there is so many things to watch that it's hard for people to even know what's on. Uh, the producer has said that should the show go to series again, which he's sincerely hoping it will, that he would like the as many of the original members of the Walton cast to come and make guest appearances on a new series. So that would certainly be fun to do for all of us, and we hope that uh, we will have that opportunity. So just uh, letting you know what I thought of it. I think it's charming, and I think you should give it a watch. So I have to say that my initial thoughts were that this does not need to be re rebooted, but I wanted to point out a couple things that she mentioned in her thoughts on this subject, which is that on her YouTube channel, which she started during the height of the pandemic uh, in 2020, but has continued to do, which I've really appreciated her insights and her information about the behind the scenes work of the show has been very exciting for me as a fan. But there's two things that she said there. Uh, first of all was the fact that many people uh, in the comments of her videos say there needs to be more shows like the Waltons. So the opportunity for a show like that 
to be rebooted and to come back and to maybe find another audience is intriguing. Um, I have not yet watched the film. I am planning to do so shortly and hopefully bring you a review next week on the podcast. But I am cautiously optimistic because of her endorsement of the show. Um, One interesting thing about that is that Ben Scott, who was at the premiere, played Ben Walton on the original show, and Ben does not appear in the reboot. So that is kind of an interesting thing. I kind of looked on the internet to see what his reaction to that would be, and I couldn't find anything. But I have to wonder what that's like to have a character that you um, made into an iconic character along with your fellow cast members, um, what it's like for him to have that character eliminated in this new reboot. But it seems like he even had a positive response to it. So, again, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I do think we need to encourage family-style programming because that's the way that we show that that is actually what we want. You know, that's why I always encourage you when a good movie comes out to go and watch it, to give the box office your dollars, because when the box office sees something like that happen, um, then amazing things happen. Um, I think we're already seeing that with the movie that I'm going to review today and also with the Chosen Christmas special, which is coming up, is the fact that we can blow executives away. Originally, there was only supposed to be one showing of The Reluctant Convert, which was supposed to take place on November 3rd of this year. And I went and saw it the day after Thanksgiving, which was November 26th. And so it obviously got some staying power by the amount of tickets they sold. So please be aware that if you want quality movies and quality television to be on the air, you need to support it and give it ratings. And, you know, I do think it's important. I know some of you out there may not watch a lot of TV and you may think that movies are a waste of time. But the reality is that a lot of people watch TV and a lot of people watch movies. And so putting these good choices out into the entertainment universe, I think, are only beneficial because people, when they're looking for something to watch, could stumble upon this well-made stuff and it could in some ways change their lives because drama and um, television has the opportunity to do that. I mean, the chosen is doing that as a crowdfunded project where people are just donating to keep it alive and they've done two seasons and they're getting ready to film season three in, in 2022. And so there's, there's exciting things happening in the world of Christian entertainment. And, uh, I'm excited because on Christmas Day, as I mentioned before, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, is going to come out. And what's exciting about that is I remember thinking in in the early going of the Kendrick Brothers movie career how great it would be if they would choose somebody that was a real person and make a film of them. And they have not been called to that so far. They've done one documentary, but other than that, they've done their fictional, albeit quite realistic, scripts. But the but the Irwin brothers, who are another pair of Christian brothers who are making films, they primarily do biopics. So they're meeting that need that I mentioned, even though the Kendrick brothers 
are sticking with their bread and butter, which are fictional stories, but ones that pack an important lesson. So all that to say, some exciting things are happening in the world of entertainment. And it's kind of a good introduction to what we will talk about in the main segment a little later. I have one more thing to share with you, and and this is another thing um, that I kind of just stumbled upon yesterday. I was listening to the Candace Owens podcast, and she had a country singer who I never heard of before by the name of Raylan. I looked her up, and she was on a season of The Voice a few years ago, and I think has a couple albums, and... Her latest um, song is one called She Chose Me, and it's really a pro-life anthem and, in many ways, her life story. She was a Bible Belt love believer With a 12-year ring on her hand Got a little too close to the fire Started burning for another man One thing led to another At a motel in Galveston Bay They didn't know it at the time But more than just love was made That's one hell of a choice to make If it went the other way, no She could have chosen one quick 
to get her out of one big mess. Could have tied a different ribbon to the end of a story. Could have kept a secret, gotten out before it. Changed her life, she could have changed her mind and changed everything. But she chose me. She chose me. I really resonated with this song. Obviously, you know that I am a passionate pro-lifer. But one of the interesting things about this song is it kind of reminds me about Kenny Chesney's song, There Goes My Life. But this one is actually the story of Raylin. This is Raylin's life. And for her to find out later in life that her mom came really close to aborting her she said that was a that was a solid wake up call for her. I don't know if she was pro life before that, but she's definitely ardently pro life now. And she was just talking about in this interview how the fact that her mom saved her life means that her husband has a wife and her daughter has a mother. Um, and her daughter wouldn't exist if her mom hadn't chosen life for her and. And her husband wouldn't have had her as a wife if, or if her mother hadn't chosen life for her. So, so I just thought that that was a very poignant song, and I think it's something worth listening to, something worth downloading um, on iTunes and supporting Raylan. Um, and it would be really neat um, at some point to interview her on the podcast. If that ever comes to fruition, I would really like to hear more of the story. But I just wanted to share that with you uh, right now and let you know that that song was out there and encourage you to go and listen to Raylan's music because it seems like she's someone who is standing for truth in an era where we are often failing to do so. All right, well, the time has come to talk about our main segment, and today we are going to talk about the movie The Most Reluctant Convert. I had the privilege of seeing this movie on Black Friday, and I was really excited uh, that it was still playing because, as I said, originally when I saw information about it, it said it was only going to play for one day in the theaters, and... They must have gotten a very positive response from the original screenings because as of right now, I believe it may still be playing. If it is not, um, it will probably come, be coming to a streaming service near you very soon. And so I'd encourage you to go and watch this film. I want to start out today uh, with our quote of the day. And our quote of the day comes from... C.S. Lewis, and in this quote, he is talking about his conversion experience, and you'll notice that it's kind of different from what a lot of other people experience when they are converted to Christ. He says, You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene, night after night, feeling 
whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. Before I dig into my thoughts about the movie, I'd like to share with you the trailer for The Most Reluctant Convert. I never cared for my name, Clive Staples. The world came to know me as C.S. Lewis. Perhaps you've read my books. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the most famous, but there's one story that's not so well known. It's my story. And who better to tell it than me? Cheers. Hey, Jack, now stop. Don't disturb your father. Oh. Boys! Your mother loves you very much. <laughs> Fourteen, I ceased to be a Christian. She was the first woman to speak to my blood. I love the smell of bunting. And I was undone. Have you nothing to say in your defense? William Kirkpatrick, the great knock. Mother, there's no God behind the universe, a God indifferent to good and evil, or worse. An evil God. Do you believe that logic and reason bring forth indisputable truth? I do. And are your moral and aesthetic judgments valid and meaningful? They are. For the first time, I examined myself with a serious practical purpose. What I found appalled me. How could a mere man be called a great moral teacher and say the sort of things Jesus said? Such as? As I read Fantasties, my imagination was baptized. The rest of me took a little longer. And there you have the trailer for The Most Reluctant Convert. I really enjoyed this movie. First of all, it started out with a 20-minute feature on how they made the movie and how they answered the challenges of the pandemic. That's something I've never seen in a film before. I guess they figured that the film itself was a little short for a theatrical runtime, so they added the featurette. But I really enjoyed that as someone who likes to look behind the scenes of productions and as someone who has worked behind the scenes in theatrical productions, it was just exciting to see the feature at and the different things they did. Um, the other thing I will say is that stylistically it's a very different type of film. It's kind of docudrama in the sense that Max McLean as the older C.S. Lewis is talking about his life, um, growing up and 
then you see the other scenes happening behind him. And sometimes he's literally stepping into each scene uh, that you are seeing. I don't think he does it with every single one, but in a lot of cases he, he steps into the scene and his younger self walks right past him. So it's a very interesting style and it's kind of reminiscent of the Christmas Carol when Ebenezer Scrooge is looking into his past and I guess it kind of reminded me of that in a way because it talked about him uh, and it, it kind of implied that he was raised in a Christian home because he makes the statement, I ceased to be a Christian at 14. And I think um, he wasn't necessarily a born-again Christian at that point, um, but he ceased to care about the things of God after what happened with his mother passing away from an illness and with his, his father's response made him a, a little bit more of a rough man than perhaps he was before his wife died. And so all of these life circumstances contributed to C.S. Lewis concluding that he was an atheist. And so this film basically takes us through the journey of him being an atheist and not being able to comprehend there's a God and then coming to a place finally through the influence of a friend who was also an atheist, but then became a deist. And he, then he had to consider the reality of God. And then once he'd considered the reality of God, then uh, he had to consider, well, who is God? And, and then he was faced with the challenge of uh, Jesus couldn't be a good teacher um, and not be God because he claimed to be God and a good teacher doesn't lie. Um, that's why C.S. Lewis would later say Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or who he said he was. So these are the things that C.S. Lewis was faced with. Now, the interesting thing about this film, um, as we're talking about positives, first of all, I, I felt like um, Max McLean was really the embodiment of C.S. Lewis. Um, I haven't really been able to like hear C.S. Lewis talk or seen a lot of photographs of him, but I just felt like I was watching C.S. Lewis tell a story. And so obviously Max McLean resonates with the character very well. And I thought that it was very well cast. Uh, You know, they had to minimize the cast because of the COVID-19 pandemic, like in the scenes where he was involved in, in wartime, there was probably six or eight extras when there might've been double or triple that, or even more had it been not something that was affected by the pandemic. Um, but I felt like it was very well cast right from the young CS Lewis as a boy, right up to max. And I felt like they took a lot of care in how they did it. Um, I, I think that it really puts into perspective some of C.S. Lewis's most famous quotes, um, like, you know, hearing him talk about his conversion and how he was a reluctant convert, um, but then how he came to realize later in life um, that if he didn't fit in down here, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically if he didn't fit in down here, then it must be true that he was made for another world. And um, 
this idea of the fact that sometimes we struggle to fit in, but the reality is that we're not supposed to fit in because we were made for the next world. We were made for heaven. And, you know, I know sometimes we struggle with the uh, argument of election versus free will, uh, but somehow they both coexist in harmony. Uh, Because you can't listen to Unshackled. I know I mentioned this before, but you can't listen to Unshackled without realizing that God's hand was on the people that are profiled long before they made the decision to follow Christ in most cases. And if you look back at your own life, you can see God's hand working in your life even before you were surrendered to him. And the reality is that The book of Romans chapter 1 says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeketh after God. And so in order for that to be true, you have to realize that God is working to not just accept your faith, but to bring you to faith. And I think you really see that in C.S. Lewis because he basically is saying, I I was dragged kicking kicking and screaming. Um, into the kingdom of God. I think as far as negatives, the only uh, negative I would say, and it's not really as much a negative as it is a stylistic thing, is that once again, much like Will You Be My Neighbor about Fred Rogers, this movie of C.S. Lewis kind of hones in on a very specific time in his life through flashbacks we see more but it basically is him as an adult talking about the Christian faith how he arrived at it very well done film but I'm a real big fan of conventional um, biopics that are like linear that go from beginning to end and so having watched this film I can say that it's not the most linear film in the world And so that does kind of bother my movie sensibilities. But as a story and as a film put together, I would say that it it is very well done. And I would encourage you to either get out to theaters and watch it. Or if it's not in theaters by the time you hear this, stream it as soon as it becomes available. Because it is very uplifting, very enjoyable, and you can get uh, some insight into the man C.S. Lewis, that you may not have realized before. And sometimes hear some of the things that you have known in a fresh and new way. Um, It's kind of an interesting concept to think of being dragged kicking and screaming into the kingdom of heaven, but I know what it's like after being a Christian to be dragged to surrender by God. This ministry would not... Uh, exist if God hadn't dragged me into surrender. I mean, that's that's really the truth of the matter. And so I really um, want to convey that I, I saw some of my story in here. Um, and I'm thankful for Christian parents who led me to th- the throne of grace at an early age, but there were definitely some struggles along my Christian journey where I had to be dragged to surrender so I can resonate with Uh, this story in this film, and I really appreciate it very much.
what is the biggest lesson um, that I took away from this film? I think the biggest lesson that I took away from this film is that God is always at work. Um, the thing that the things that we see as coincidences um, are not coincidences, and they are things that God puts in our way to challenge us. One of the people that really encouraged um, C.S. Lewis to embrace his faith in Christ was actually J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, he challenged C.S. Lewis to believe that God was not only existent, but could be known. And it was him and another friend that really encouraged C.S. Lewis to take the final steps toward faith. And of course we know that he um, made a real dent in Christian literature through his uh, fiction books like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the rest of the Chronicles of Narnia, um, as well as his non-fiction books like The Four Loves, The Great Divorce, and his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. So there's a lot out there that C.S. Lewis wrote after coming to faith. And when you realize how he came from atheism to faith in Christ as the one true God, you realize that no one uh, is beyond the reach of the grace of God. So I think the biggest thing is that no one is beyond the grace of God and everything that happens in our lives is for a purpose and it was just so exciting to watch that story unfold um, on the screen and to realize that the same God that worked in C.S. Lewis's life is indeed working in our lives as well. What a blessing that is for us to know and be confident in that. So how would I rate this film? I have to say that I was extremely impressed uh, by the production value of this film. I think that if I was um, watching it as a non-believer, if I just on the marquee of the theater and decided to go in and watch it, I wouldn't, as is so often the case with Christian films, I wouldn't come out of it and say, well, that was chintzy and preachy. Um, it was really just... C.S. Lewis telling his story of how Christ changed his life. And really, that resonates with me so much because I think sometimes when we're sharing the gospel, we get caught up in the doctrinal arguments of the gospel. And I'm not saying that it is bad to talk about the doctrine of the gospel. The doctrine of the gospel is important. But I have been persuaded through the things that I've learned in this life that the most effective preaching of the gospel is the testimony that you have, the testimony that I have. Because people can dispute doctrinal arguments all day long, but they can't dispute that you were one way and now you're a different way and the difference is Jesus. I mean, they can try, but ultimately they can't dispute that because Jesus is in the life-changing business and if you testify as to how you were one way and now you're different because God changed you, there really isn't much the world can do to say that's not true. As a matter of fact, 
Lee Strobel, when his wife came to faith in God, that was one of the biggest things that really catapulted him to faith was not just his investigative journalism. You know, some people would say, well, he, he just investigated it and came to an intellectual faith. But he even says in the movie about his life, which um, I reviewed a while back, he says these words. He says, I could dismiss this so easily, except for the fact that I know the change in my wife is real. So when people see that our life is changed by the power of the gospel, they will be changed by the power of the gospel. Paul says, you are my epistles, known and read of all men. Uh, there's a common saying that we often hear, and that is, you may be the only Jesus that the world will ever see. And hopefully that's not true, because hopefully the Jesus influence that you have on them will cause them to come to know the real Jesus. But the, the point there is that you may be the introduction to Jesus. You may be the one that shows them that this Jesus is worth investigating, and that is really um, an exciting prospect. So I hope that you've enjoyed this review. I hope that you will um, share it with your family and friends, and I hope that you will take your opportunity to watch it at the earliest convenience. Again, if you have a chance to go to the box office and support it, please do. That's how these faith-based projects are able to continue to be made. And, you know, in all the upheaval of the world, one area where I feel like we are winning as an evangelical church is in the entertainment industry and the opportunities that have been afforded to us. So now I'm going to rate this film. Um, I use a 1 to 5 rating, and I'm going to say that it's it's a 4. Again, for some of the stylistic reasons um, that I mentioned, um, it's not my favorite, uh, but it is a very good film, and I wholeheartedly uh, recommend that you watch it. Um, some of the scenes left me wondering what they might have been like if they hadn't been dealing with the pandemic. Um, but I, I really like this film. So four out of five stars um, for C.S. Lewis, The Reluctant Convert. Well, that's about all I have to share with you today. I hope that uh, you are blessed by this episode and that if you are, you will share it with your family and friends. Please let them know that they can listen every Wednesday on my website at speakingforhim.com and on every major podcast platform. And please, if you are listening to this on a podcast platform, please leave a rating and review, especially there on Apple podcasts so that we can get more of a uh, reach on there so that more people can find us and be blessed as we help them navigate this journey that we call the Christian life. With that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, 
H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash Speaking for Him and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.